And I'm Sarah. And this is Eerie Encounters. If you haven't joined us before, just a bit of background about what we do at this crazy podcast is that we talk about anything eerie and weird and wonderful and paranormal and anything else that we could possibly think of and that you guys may have suggested to us. And today we decided that we would talk about castles purely because I myself have recently visited one of these castles where I did a ghost hunt and also I believe Sarah also visited one of these castles recently and I don't think you necessarily did a ghost hunt there but you did look around and saw different things about the area. So what are you going to be telling us about today Sarah? So my castle that I've chosen is actually links in well with another episode that we've done. So we did an episode that was all about witches and the Pendle Witches was the the sort of the area that I decided to focus on. So I thought, hmm, Lancaster Castle played a huge part in the Pendle Witch Trials, so that was what I was going to focus on for our castles episode. Yeah, it's one of those places I've never visited, so I'd be interested to hear about this one and what you what the castle's all about, really. What I'll do is I'll send across all as many pictures as I can and then we can pop them up on our Facebook page and everything else. So um, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about as we go through. Fantastic. And Nick is our tech genius, so I just send them to her and hope for the best. She's the one that does (laughs) all the the hard graft. So, yeah. To be honest, I'm pretty useless at most of this. I just kind of go, what does this button do? So, yeah. Lancaster Castle then, obviously, up in Lancaster, in the north, let's go northwest of England. My geography is terrible. Yes, I'm going to go northwest. You can... Yeah, it's kind of near Leeds, isn't it? That kind of way, yeah. So it's kind of up sort of Pendle, Blackpool area, yeah. Leeds, Liverpool, yeah. So Lancaster Castle actually can be dated back to Roman times. And it's thought that William the Conqueror gave Lancaster Castle to, now I'm going to butcher this again, another wonderful French name, Roger de Poitour, I have no idea if I'm saying that right, who then rebuilt the castle mound in a Norman style sometime around 1093. So it dates back all the way sort of to William the Conqueror times. So, yeah. So at the same time, Roger, we'll just call him Roger because I'm not going to butcher that name again, established the monastery, which actually is now known as Lancaster Priory, and it's still located just immediately behind the castle. However, when Roger, we're on first name terms, (laughs) lost the Baron's Rebellion in 1102, he fled the country and Henry I then seized all of uh, Roger's Lancaster estates and gave them to his nephew... Stephen of Blois, who later became King Stephen. So, it's actually uncertain if it was Henry or King Stephen that may have begun work on the Great Keep. However, this stands four stories high and is built with walls that are three metres thick. Wow. I know. Good for defence, because obviously that was Well, yeah, you're not getting in or out, are you, really? You're not getting out. <laughs> that reminds me of that scene from The Lion King. Let me in, let me in, let me out, let me out. Oh dear. <laughs> it has two rooms on each floor and offered accommodation for the constable of the castle or his lords. And there was also enough space that the entire garrison could withdraw into the keep if the castle was ever under siege, making the castle a really effective fort. And I 
again, I will send pictures across and we can then pop them up on our social media platforms so you can have a look at what I'm talking about. But it's a stunning, stunning castle. It really, really is. Um, So the castle eventually passed to Richard of Lionheart and his brother, Prince John, sometime around the end of the 12th century, and a stone curtain wall was then erected to encircle the keep, and the towers were then built at regular intervals along the wall. So over time, more was added to this castle, and it became quite a fortress, something really, really to see and behold. So King Jong then strengthened the castle further, with the addition of a defensive outer ditch, as well as improving the king's quarters. So, you know, priorities. Let's make a hole and improve the bedroom. (laughs) The dungeon tower was then added in the mid-13th century, and the well tower, which was named as such, due to the fact that there was two great big wells in the basement, was then built the following century. So, then on to the gatehouse. Despite all of these renovations, these defences proved inadequate because Robert Bruce actually attacked Lancaster Castle in 1322 and the damage that was done meant that there's actually no trace of the Saxon stonework that's still visible above the foundation level. Oops. And the castle was so... I know. So here we were talking about it being a wonderful fortress. It didn't stand. The castle was so badly damaged in another raid in 1389, this time by the Scottish. So it really came under attack quite a few times. Poor Lancaster. Obviously the place to be. (laughs) Everyone wanted a bit of Lancaster. So the castle was then owned by the Crown until 1399, when it became a permanent part of the Duchy of Lancaster. So it was in 1399 that Henry Bolingbroke, the Duke of Lancaster, built the imposing and impressive gatehouse that is still probably the most impressive feature of the castle's sort of structure today. And this was named the John of Gaunt Gatehouse after Henry's father. And the gatehouse featured two semi-octagonal battlement towers. That's a bit of a mouthful. Isn't it? I know. Try and put my teeth back in. Okay, so the centre of administering the duchy was then established at Lancaster Castle and it had courts, jails and judicial offices. And the castle changed hands several times during the Civil War and was eventually ordered to be destroyed by Parliament. This was carried out, but the parts of the castle that were used for the jail and the courts were spared and it's this that remains today. So Lancaster Castle actually is very famous because it was a prison rather than just being a fort and a castle. Ah, keeping them in. There you go. There you go, keeping them in. So Lancaster Castle has been used to hold and try criminals since the 12th century. And in fact, there is records of a court being at the castle since 1166. And we know that there was a jail there as well, roughly around the time of 1196. So I think the history of Lancaster Castle is really interesting because it offers us a really revealing insight how attitudes towards crime and punishment, as well as religious and cultural beliefs, has changed throughout the centuries. This is because it's been a place of justice and incarceration throughout history and still houses one of the oldest working crown courts in the country. Yeah. Does it really? So you could get sentenced and go through all of the prosecution and stuff? At Lancaster Castle. So yeah, there is still a working court there. 
Wow. So the courtroom is still used today as a crown court and it still deals with trials of the most serious criminal offences. So yeah, it's still a working crown court to this day. So during the 18th and 19th centuries, large numbers of prisoners were tried in the castle's crown court in Lancaster Castle and more than 800 people were executed on site and even more were sent for transportation to Australia. I went, obviously lived in Australia, and I spent some time at one of the museums in Sydney, which housed the people that were sent there. And some of the things that these people did, you go, seriously, you went and sent them all the way to Australia just for that. In fairness, though, I think if I was out of hmm, execution or a trip to Australia... I think I know what I'd choose. And the majority of my family relocated to Australia anyway, just because. It wasn't necessarily the nicest of voyages. So if it was a quick death versus let's go to Australia, I think I might have chosen the quick death. Oh, really? Well, there's no guarantee that you would necessarily survive getting to Australia. And I personally am not a seafaring person. It would have been basically hell on earth for me to be transported. But then... I did spend some time looking at the, as I said, the things that they'd done. And some of them were things like inappropriate relations with a cow and things like that, which made me chuckle. Or they went and stole someone's sheep. And you're like, that is extreme. Did I ever tell you, as a family member of mine, a few sort of generations ago, I think my great, great, great grandfather was hung for stealing sheep. Really? See, he could have been transported. He could have been transported. But then when my family did relocate to Australia, it took them two weeks on a boat. Yeah, see, it would have been much longer. Yeah. And yeah, no, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, see, I even found a two-week cruise was just like (laughs) too choppy. Do not. (laughs) Too much time at sea. Don't ever take me near a boat. It's just not going to end well for me or for anyone else around me. I've been trying to get you to the Isle of Wight for ages and that's literally like a 20 minute trip across the channel and you're like, ah, no, too much sea. (laughs) Yeah, nope, 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 nope. When they build a bridge, then I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. So throughout history, the castle has housed thousands of prisoners, including those awaiting trial for a a variety of different crimes, prisoners of war, and even those that actually committed no crime at all, but were suffering from mental health issues. So obviously there was very little understanding in those days, and mental health was seen as a imprisonable offence, which is just heartbreaking. That is, yeah, that is sad. Yeah. So in fact, Lancaster Castle was known as the location that sentenced more people to death than anywhere else outside of London. And it earned itself the nickname, or Lancaster earned itself the nickname, the Hanging Town. So knowing that you're going to be trialled there must have been absolutely terrifying because you kind of already knew what your fate was going to be, which, yeah, just, oh dear. So many children were also housed in the prison with their parents. And this prison was the last that actually segregated men and female inmates. So... Before the introduction of the Borsal system, children were regularly imprisoned alongside adults and alongside adult offenders, or even alongside their parents. 
And in fact, when I was researching this, I found out about two boys who were aged 11 and 13, who in 1899 were convicted of damaging a door by throwing mortar at it. And they were then sentenced to five days hard labour or a fine. But due to the high level of poverty at the time, it meant that their parents couldn't afford the fine. Yeah, hard labour, here we come. Hard labour was often the only option. So even for children... So the fact that children were imprisoned alongside adults and there was no segregation at this time. And yeah, you just think, obviously, this was before the system that we have today. But still, you cannot imagine what any of these people went through, let alone children. And to be imprisoned because of mistakes that their parents had made. Yeah, it's a bit harsh. A bit harsh, yeah. Leads us back onto the schools episodes, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, dear. There is an interesting relic that was used during these trials in the UK and until 1811 was the branding iron and this consisted of a metal holdfast design to hold the wrist and the fingers still while a red hot branding iron imposing the letter M was pushed into the thumb. Ouch! This identified the person as being a convicted person. And the M standed for malefactor or evildoer. So literally they would be branded. Ouch. And the jailer would then raise the convicted person's hand to show the judge that a fair mark had been made. And it became a rule that before a a prisoner was trialled, they would be required to raise their hand so it could be seen whether or not they bore the brand mark and if they had been a previous offender. So yeah, there was also tread wheels that were used at Lancaster Castle. I've seen those down in Shepperton Mallet. Yeah. They had something similar where they made them yeah. s- like just constantly tread on these things and it turned a wheel outside. Uh, yeah, yeah, is that the absolutely. same? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So both male and female prisoners were sentenced to hard labour and had to work for 10 hours a day. Oh, blimey. And they had to, they were expected to keep up to 96 steps per <gasps> minute. So that's pretty fast. Yeah, no thank you. So, very, very quick maths, I'd say, sort of about, you know, one and a half steps a second. So, yeah, pretty fast. And the prisoner officer in charge of the wheelhouse was in full control and would shout out orders overseeing the prisoners as a rule. There was total silence and any communication between prisoners was strictly forbidden. So, as you can imagine, it wasn't a very, yeah, it wasn't a place to be social. It was a very hard working place and he had some very difficult conditions. During the 18th and 19th centuries, until the Bankruptcy Act of 1866, Lancaster Castle was also a debtor's prison and it housed between 300 and 400 people that were there because of debt issues at any one time. So if the prisoner was poor, debtors were required to work within the prison and in return they received three ounces of bread and four ounces of oatmeal daily, one ounce of salt, and ten pounds of potatoes weekly. So that was how they earned their keep, by working within the prison. It's not a lot of food, is it, really, when they're making you go running on a treadmill for however long they make you do it? Yeah, absolutely. And that was sort of, you know, daily and per week. I mean... Yeah, you can imagine that they they weren't fed very much either no. for the amount of work that they were doing. If the debtor had money, they paid for a room and their fees actually included a candle, a fire, the use of culinary equipment 
and services of a room man who did the cooking, cleaning and waiting on. So the debtors could also have alcohol, including beer, wine and tobacco, but they weren't allowed spirits. And they could buy a newspaper, food and clothing and continue working. They were allowed to have visitors from 8am to 8pm. They could play games in the courtyard and any musicians would often put on concerts and dances to entertain their fellow prisoners. They also had a market which was held in the castle yard where meat, bread, butter, groceries, vegetables, fish and fruit could all be purchased. So if you were of the upper class and you had money, life wasn't quite as bad. I mean, it obviously wasn't great, you're still in prison, but it certainly, there was a huge difference between the living conditions of the poor and the rich. Mm. I mean, I love the fact that they had a room man who did the cooking and cleaning for them. They literally (laughs) had a maid. So, yeah, there were quite a few famous prisoners, actually, were held at Lancaster Castle over the course of history. And this included Father Edmund Arrowsmith, who was an ordained Roman Catholic priest in the Blackburn and Preston area at that time, because the saying of mass was punishable by death, and Father Aerosmith was arrested in 1628 and was condemned to die as a traitor. He was then hung, drawn and quartered, and his body was exposed on top of the gateway. Lovely. Also, you may have heard of the Quakers, Mm -hmm. so again, famous with Pendle Hill, Mm-hmm. George Fox was held at Lancaster Prison. So the early Quakers started preaching around the north of England and then further afield around Britain and they gathered quite a few followers. But they were convicted because of their radical ideas, including the idea that each individual could experience an inner light or the voice of God and they didn't need to have a priest or the Bible. So obviously with the Catholic religion, there's the belief that you have to sort of go for a priest and a priest is sort of directly linked to God. Whereas with the Quaker religion, they believe that anybody could be in links with God and they didn't need a priest or a Bible to sort of experience that sort of inner light. And this meant the Quakers didn't have strict rules in regards to attending church And they saw all humans as being equal and deserving of respect, which seems pretty fair to me. I think I quite like this, sort of, the rules that they had. Fundamentally, yeah, the rules seem relatively all right for religion. Yeah, so I quite like the idea of everyone being equal and needing respect, but that wasn't, unfortunately, the statement that was shared at the time. And... It was quite a radical period of history where the established church held great political power and many early Quakers were therefore imprisoned and oppressed because of their beliefs. And George Fox was summoned to Lancaster on a number of occasions, the most famous being in September 1664 when he refused to take the oath and was reprimanded in custody. And we actually have a written account of his experience at Lancaster Castle, where he says, I'll read it to you. Then I was put into a tower, where the smoke of the other prisoners came up so thick that I could scarcely see the candle that it burned. Beside it, rained in upon my bed. In this manner, I did lie all that long cold winter till the next assize, in which time I was so starved and cold and rain and my body so greatly swelled, and my limbs benumbed. 
Nice. So not yeah, again, not everyone had the luxury five star experience. Yeah, I totally want that experience out of all of them. Yeah, if they didn't if you didn't have money. Yeah. It you're not gonna have a difficult not gonna have a good time, are you really? No. Absolutely. So executions then. My favourite topic. Yeah, so we get your favourite topic. Who did they kill off? <laughs> I love that. My favourite topic. Let's talk about death. I mean, this is a podcast about Woo-hoo. ghosts after all. So that's this is this. Is, yeah. So if I can't show my enthusiasm here, where can I show my See, enthusiasm? Once again, this is when I do question if Nick is a secret murderer. I mean, she did ask my husband once how to get away with murder. In fact, that was the first well, thing I, was I think curious. you asked him. First time you yeah. met him, you're like, so, I have a question for you. Oh, curiosity kills me. Well, no, apparently it kills other people around you, so yeah. Someone else, maybe. <laughs> oh, dear. So right up until the 1800s, condemned criminals at Lancaster were executed in a place called Gallows Hill, on the moors close to Williams Park. And as many as eight or nine condemned prisoners at a time would have been executed here. Wow. That's a lot at one time, isn't it? At one time, yeah. So their coffins would be carried in a procession from the castle. And traditionally, they stopped at the Golden Lion pub at the corner of Bury's Lane so that the condemned could have their last drink accompanied by their friends and their relatives. Which is thoughtful, but also slightly heartbreaking. I mean, that's really is sort of dead man walking having that final drink with your friends and family i mean it's lovely that they stopped at the pub first but but i just think how yeah having sort of like a final a final drink oh these poor people so after the 1800s the executions at lancaster castle took place at something called the hanging corner which was then located in the grounds of the castle between the tower and the wall on the east side. So it's by the terrace steps and on the ground floor of the tower is what was called the drop room, which contains kind of, you get the idea of what it was used for. Yeah. And still contains relics of many of the executions and you can still see these items there today. So more than 265 public hangings took place between the years 1762 and 1865 for anything from murder to cattle theft. That's a lot of people. I do think that perhaps they got a bit killing happy, which I think in some respects, out of all the things you could do, I understand that probably back then cattle were really important to people's livelihoods and being able to survive, but there's worse things they could be doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can kind of, not that I condemn anyone sort of, you know, I don't particularly like the idea of corporal punishment, Mm. but you do kind of go, you know, murder, okay, Uh, questionable, but we get it. Compared to stealing sheep, you kind of go, okay, that's certainly, yeah, probably where you draw the line. As I said, one of my family members or relatives sort of going back a couple of generations was hung for stealing sheep and from the research that I've done and from what I know it was literally because he was trying to feed his family exactly and it was people trying to survive wasn't it you just think it's difficult time to live in anyway but also I mean yeah I don't ever sort of you know condone theft but 
corporal punishment for it feels a bit a bit over the top and I think it was probably more as a bit of a deterrent as well it was kind of a way of keeping to sort of people under control and the fear of you know mm. it's yeah. yeah so so out of all the, the executions that took place at Lancaster Castle only 43 of them were actually for serious crimes such as murder all of the others, so remember this is out of the 265 of them, Yeah, were for things like burglary, robbery, cattle stealing, and passing forged notes. Again, those are probably people trying to just survive and keep their families alive. Absolutely, absolutely. So what's really interesting though is out of all those sort of over 200 executions, 131 of them were recorded to have been carried out by one hangman alone. That must have been a really horrid job to do. I don't know, I mean... And surely there's got to be... You've got to have the right kind of person to do that job. You must... Oh, my God. There must... To to do that job... He went to a special school or something. There, There must be something that would allow that person to be able to deal with knowing that they killed that many people. I mean, I'm not sure about the whole job satisfaction thing, but, I mean... Maybe he had that? I mean... I don't know. I mean, that's... I mean, that's a conversation starter. What do you do for work? Well... I'm the local executioner. But then you probably wouldn't necessarily want people to know that. Well, you say that. His name was Old Ned Barlow, and he started to build quite a name for himself. He was quite well known. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably somebody you wouldn't want to mess with. Known to... And probably not something I would like to be remembered for or build a name for myself. I'm the best executioner. Probably not something I would want to have on my resume or my CV. Well, no one would mess with them, would they, really? I mean... That is true. You think that's, that's... At what point do they become an executioner or a serial killer? I mean, it's, you know, the, the lines yeah. are pretty blurred. You're getting paid to do something that you enjoy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, you do have to question. I mean, who sees that job sort of advert in the paper and goes, that sounds perfect for That's me. That's what I'm yeah. going to do, yeah. But again, I'm guessing he's only doing it because he needs to provide for his family. I mean, you do kind of think, if only Jack the Ripper or Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Durham had, you know, maybe applied for one of those ads rather than taking it into their own hands. But, oh dear. A legal way to pursue their interests probably, yeah, might be a bit questionable. Gosh. So the last execution took place on March the 25th in 1865 and it was a Stephen Burke who was hung for the murder of his wife. So at least the the final, well I say at least, at least the final execution was sort of, you know, for a murder and not something... Something serious. And not something like writing forged notes, but still. So... The lead-on, then, is one of the most famous and dramatic events that took place in Lancaster, occurred over 400 years ago in 1612. Of course, I'm talking about the Trial of the Pendle Witches. And it was a trial that we know so much about because the clerk of the court, Thomas Potts, left detailed records so that today we can actually read the chilling testimony and the convictions that took place. But just to give you a little bit of backstory... 
It was during this time of King James I, who was a firm believer in the existence of the supernatural and witchcraft, and he then passed an act which imposed the death penalty for witchcraft. And he actually stated, For making a convent with an evil spirit, using a corpse for magic, hurting life or limb, procuring love or endangering cattle by means of charms. So any of those things were actually condemnable by death. And the... Lovely. Mm, I mean, yeah. Slight. I just keep saying lovely to all these things because, yeah, I completely mean the opposite. This is not lovely in any kind of way. So, yeah, as you can imagine, a lot of people, well, we know a lot of people during this time were condemned, obviously wrongly, for witchcraft. For quite minor things, yeah. yeah. So the Pendle Witch Trial came just several years after the infamous gunpowder plot when a very real attempt had been made to blow up Parliament and the King. So, of course, this was forefront in many people's minds. So the witches were then also accused of trying to blow up Lancaster Castle and free those family members and friends that had been imprisoned there. So it was a really, yeah, so it was a really suspicious time. And, of course, everyone was a little bit on edge anyway because of what had happened and the fact that someone had tried to blow up the King. The king was on edge. He was very superstitious. He was very suspicious of everyone. and So he was just like, kill them all, yeah, get rid of absolutely. them. Absolutely. He was them. taking no chances whatsoever. So the Pendle witches were trialled in August 1612 and they were imprisoned at Lancaster Castle. However, they weren't the only witches, I'll say that in inverted commas, that were trialled and imprisoned at the castle as the Salemsbury witches and the Paddenham witches were also held at the castle too. Do you think that's because they went, well, we'll stick them all in together because we know that this place can keep hold of them and isn't going to, they're not going to escape from this place? I think it was also because uh, Lancaster Castle had such a reputation. Good reputation. And yeah. it, was, it, was the pa- it was the place to trial because the outcome, yeah. more often than not, as we've seen, was guilty. Was guilty and was punishable by death. So I think it was kind of a yeah. case of okay. anything that, especially in this time when witch trials were so, you know, so prolific, I think it was a case of let's, you know, let's do them in a place that is feared by so many and will get the most publicity, really. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, so a small parliamentarian force captured the castle in February 1643. And the Royalist soldiers sent an army to try and retake Lancaster. And the siege of the castle lasted two days. However, Royalists actually failed to recapture the castle and recapture Lancaster again. And the town and the castle remained under the Parliament's control until the end of the war. After the Civil War, the castle ceased to serve a military function and was used solely as a jail and a courtyard. And King Charles was executed in January 1649 and the Parliament then ordered the slighting of the castle. And as we said earlier, that only the buildings that were left were for the admin, the county jail, so that's all really you can see today. And so the gatehouse was then used to hold the debtors, as mentioned, who generally were kept in the jail until their debts were paid. And the prisoner's inspector in the 18th century actually reported that the debtor's area was a little bit like a somewhat noisy tavern. So Nice, and they were having a good old time. Yeah, so again, if you had money, you were living your best life. You had markets, you had somebody that was pretty much a living maid with you. 
They were out on nice. the on the lawn with their beers and their sort of, you know, their alcohol. So it was noticed that the living conditions, however, for most prisoners was pretty vile. And mm. more prisoners actually died in jail from the fever in the 18th century than were executed. Nice. Yeah, so the jailer's house was built between the gatehouse and the world tower in 1788. And this is when, in 1790, male and female prisoners were split into two separate prisons. And we had a new shire hall and the crown court was then built. So the prison then closed in 1916. So up until 1916, it was still used as a prison. But it was then reopened again to hold German prisoners during World War I. And the military then took over during the Second World War. And by the 1950s, the prison had actually reopened... And it was then only closed in 2011. Oh, no way. Up until 2011, it was still used as a prison. And I bet it probably doesn't meet the standards that are expected of modern day prisons. Uh, I would say absolutely not. So today it's still used, um, Lancaster Castle is still used as a courtroom. But actually, it wasn't that long ago that prisons were still held there. So... That's the history of Lancaster Castle. And as you can see, there's a lot of death there, not just from executions. The emotions, isn't it? The emotions that must be within that building. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if walls could talk, mm. you, you just think of all the people that that was their final, you know, their final place on this earth. And so it's not surprising that Lancaster Castle is incredibly haunted. And I can see why there might be some hauntings going on. The amount of people that pass through the area. The things that I said about people being executed for things that I don't think should have happened. Yeah, there's got to be some stuff going on. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much. You've got over a thousand years of macabre history and a staggering number of deaths connected to this castle. So, it, it yeah, it absolutely comes as no surprise there's going to be loads of reportings of ghostly going on. And I bet the atmosphere must be really nice as well. You can feel the atmosphere probably gives you a bit of the heebie-jeebies or the collywobbles. No, I would say so. And it's, I think also, just, just with the sort of the level of, you know, fear and grief and, you know, all those emotions as well. Yeah. And, you know, that's people's final place that, you know, that's where they spent their yeah. final days. And and it wouldn't have been nice, would it, as well? No, but how many of those people sort of were there wrongly? You look at all the, you know, mm. the witch trials and things like that, and people that weren't witches, they were just scapegoats. Well, I guess back in the day, the only way you would know if someone was actually guilty is if someone saw them do something. But even then, we talked about it in a previous episode of people that were what we would call healers mm. and were practising healers, like pharmacists almost, and then were accused of witchcraft. So, yeah, I mean, so there's some people who believe that the Pendle witches curse the site and their spirits have been seen at the castle and within the grounds. And the castle was, of course, where the story of the Pendle Witches met their grisly end and the final sort of destination place, if you want, for these poor women. And prior to being hanged for witchcraft, they were obviously incarcerated there in this awful cell in the well tower that you can still visit today. And 
as you said, the environment, they were shackled to the floor. You know, they were all crammed into this tiny cell, living on top of each other. And one of the witches, actually, Demdike, met her death while she was awaiting trial. She didn't even get to be trialed because the the barbaric conditions that they were in, she was in her 80s and she died in prison. So it's not... That's sad. I know. I mean, not that her fate would have been much better anyway, but the fact that she... No, but still, she didn't even get anywhere near being able to defend herself. No, absolutely not. And so it just reiterates just how barbaric these conditions were. So, of course, it's not unreasonable to believe that there may be some resentment there about the way they were treated, quite understandably. Yeah, if it was me, I would be coming back and I would be haunting you. Absolutely. So there's often this intense feeling of anger that people have reported feeling, especially in the World Tower. And Fair enough. People have sort of assumed that this feeling of sort of, you know, real, real anger was probably linked to those that were incarcerated wrongly and... Many people believe it is the spirit of old Demdike. So there's also a black monk that's been seen walking through the castle. Well, it wouldn't be a castle without a black yeah, monk, just, would it? Or a monk of some description. Just throw in the token monk. So, well, you've got to have But them. we do know that at least one monk was hung at the site. And so it's very... And people think that it's likely that it could be him. He tends to be witnessed in the prison grounds. So far, he's only been seen at night... But, you know, watch this space. And he's been reportedly following people around and seen talking to himself in a really low voice. People have tried to talk to him, but apparently he just makes his presence known and doesn't really interact with people. So the general thought is that he could be a residual haunting as he doesn't tend to sort of sort of speak where people have sort of like spoken to him. He would just continue to chant or talk under his breath to himself. So he doesn't really interact with people. But his presence is often said to be followed by a really icy chill. So, again, not a wonderful feeling when you see him. Well, no, and I'm guessing there must be some kind of reason. Do, do you know why the monk was hung there? Or I haven't been able to find out why, but I'm assuming it's probably because of the time and it would have been relig- some sort of religious religious Because obviously the country was going backwards and forwards. and Catholic, Protestant, Catholic, Protestant. If you just happened to be on the wrong side at that time and you were practising, and considering so how many priests were murdered, you know, incarcerated there, and obviously we had the Wakers as well, so... Yeah, but I hadn't found exactly who this man was or why he was there, but that's kind of my assumption. Yeah, so that's kind of sad, it's him just replaying it. Yeah, and I mean, in a way, you sort of think if at least it is residual. Mm, yeah. It's not like he's trapped there, but again, it's sort of almost just like a piece of history sort of playing itself. I mean, it's living history, isn't yeah. it? It's playing itself back. There's also a a young girl who's been sighted, and... This is a strange one because although I found obviously references to lots of children being kept at Lancaster Castle and imprisoned, I haven't found any record of children that were executed there. Oh, okay. However, considering Lancaster Castle was known as a location where that sentenced more people to death, as we said earlier, outside of London than anywhere else in the country, 
It's not unreasonable to think that this probably would have been the case, but I haven't actually found... So if anyone else finds anything mm. when they're researching, do let me know, because I have sort of had a really good look and I haven't been able to find any that were executed. But again... It's a possibility. Yeah. I do think it's probably very, very likely. Yeah. I'm just wondering if maybe records weren't kept. Or they did it deliberately because they knew that this would not go down well yeah. later. And especially considering when you then sort of think about how it wasn't unusual for children to be executed in other prisons across the country. Yeah. Um, the age of criminal responsibility at that time was actually just seven. Wow. And death penalties have reportedly been passed on children between the ages of seven and 13. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. And in my research, I did find that typically girls were more likely to be hung for serious crimes, whereas teenage boys were executed for a real wide range of crimes. So some, again, things like the theft and things like that. And it wasn't until 1933, under the Children and Young Persons Act, that the minimum age was then raised to 18. So, saying this, many of the present-day staff and former inmates have reported seeing and hearing a young girl. So, it wouldn't be unrealistic to assume that at some point you know, children were executed there or just passed away due to the terrible living conditions, in yeah. fairness. So she's been, apparently, been heard singing and humming Aww. and she's been seen numerous times sort of walking through the prison. And many times this girl has been heard running down the corridors. Again, why do you need to run? Just don't do the running. Just, <laughs> just walk calmly. It's all good. But again, the plot thickens slightly because not only do people not know who this poor little girl is, but people have said that she also comes with this overwhelming fear of this feeling of fear and dread. Mm. And people say that they feel really unnerved and anxious when they see her, as something just doesn't sit right with them. Mm. So the general thought is that actually maybe she's not a little girl at all. She's something else. And that maybe she could be something else. Because there's been reports that people have seen her as like an omen. Uh. And they don't think that she's a little girl at all. Sometimes this girl's been reported to be accompanied by another woman who has presented herself differently. And sometimes she appears as a middle-aged and sometimes she's really, really old and haggard. And many people believe that this lady could actually be the spirit of old Demdike, who I mentioned earlier, one of the Pendle witches. So people began to wonder if maybe there's more to this little girl than officially meets yeah. the eye. But who knows? So other general paranormal occurrences have included staff hearing hushed whispers and the sound of footsteps in the courtroom when the castle wasn't open and there's no none of the public there and that they were there completely alone. There's been sightings of blue orbs that can be seen by the naked eye in the cells and a jailer has been heard walking along the corridor, jiggling his keys. Because that's not ominous. And crying. Totally not ominous. Yeah, not at all. Just, and crying has been heard in the barrister's library. And again, when people go to investigate, it's been completely empty. Oh, that's quite sad. There's one report of while she was locking up one night, one staff member reported that she suddenly became aware of something standing to her side. 
and then she heard this high-pitched sound for which there was no source, but it was right next to her. Now, I have heard that on Monday the 28th of January 2013, there was actually security footage caught that captured a shadowy figure walking inside the gatehouse entrance. I haven't managed to find the video, but I am still looking. I want to see it. Again, if anyone does find this, I'll give you the date again. It was Monday the 28th of January 2013. So it's security footage and it shows somebody inside the gatehouse entrance. So if anyone does find it, please send it to us and we can post it on our social media site. Yeah. Yes, I really want to see it. Visitors are apparently often reported that they are being pushed by unseen hands and staff have come to accept this is quite a common event so they're often reporting this to staff and staff just go oh yeah that's that's just our local residents enjoy i wish they wouldn't push people i mean that's a bit yeah a bit scary i mean i guess it's another way of how do you get hold of some you know how do you get someone's attention and maybe it is that they're trying to just poke well i'm so accident prone that i'd probably like stack it and face plant the floor and yeah need to be taken to hospital because i've done myself some proper damage well that's the story though be like i didn't trip a ghost did it i mean totally pushed me that's got to be a claim isn't it really (laughs) (laughs) yeah the ghost did it have you been injured by a spirit or ghost yeah that's gotta be a like injury lawyers for you abbott (laughs) <laughs> so, as I said, this location is now used for paranormal groups to investigate. And so, you could actually go up there and find any of these residents yourself. So, there are lots of different companies that do investigations up there. So, Nick, I'm adding it to our list, please. Yes, well, what, nine? Why not? Why not? So, yeah, if anyone's had any experiences at Lancaster Castle, please send them in. I would love to hear them. Or we yeah. both would love to hear them. And uh, as Definitely. I said, so many people, uh, visitors do report that feelings, being touched, being pushed, seeing things, hearing things. It just sounds like it's an absolute hotbed of activity. And it's a beautiful place as well. So definitely worth a visit. And as I said, they are opening it. They actually have on their website sort of a list of uh, an advert asking people to go and investigate. So they are very, very open. Yeah, very open to having paranormal groups up there. So yeah, that is Lancaster Castle. Awesome. So yeah. So much history, so much paranormal. I mean, it certainly sounds like somewhere that we should go. Uh, yeah, it's definitely going on to our list. I, I want to put it in the diary, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. If you have any ideas on what you'd like to have us cover, if you have any stories, if you have anything that you would like to share with us, please, please do. You can find us at our website, which is eerie-encounters.co.uk. You can also find us on all the social media. So we're on Facebook and Instagram mainly. If you'd like to email us, you can send anything to podcast at eerie-encounters.co.uk and you may well hear your ideas, suggestions and stories on a later episode. So with all of that done, I've been Nick. And I'm still Sarah. (laughs) I don't know about that. And this is Eerie Encounters.